0: You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Final hour in this Monday. Hope you had a great weekend. Carson Palmer is set to join us coming up in about 20 minutes. We'll chop up what happened yesterday. Big surprise last night, or was it? The Titans with another impressive win. That's four in a row as they beat the Rams in Los Angeles. A couple of surprises. The Jags at home against Buffalo and certainly what happened to the Dallas Cowboys against the Denver Broncos. Got a juicy trade rumor that involves ben simmons have that for you coming up where is odell beckham going to land and keep this in mind that uh, the cleveland browns did him a favor they wiped away the last two years of his contract and whoever picks him up he will uh, probably sign a long-term contract or he's set to uh, become a true free agent in march but uh The waiver deadline will be Tuesday at 4 o'clock. Any given Sunday isn't just a movie where you get to see Al Pacino give a locker room speech. It's also a time-tested cliche that describes how unpredictable NFL football can be. And yesterday was a great reminder of that. Any given Sunday, the Broncos trade away Von Miller. They go to Dallas, and Dallas getting Dak Prescott back, and Denver wins. It was supposed to be easy, right? It was 30 to nothing. Broncos ended up win thir- winning 30 to 16. But that wasn't the biggest upset spread-wise. Jags, I think, went off at 15 and a half point underdogs against the Bills. Even though it was in Jacksonville, Jags somehow came away with a 9-6 victory. Other divisional leaders lost on Sunday. The Raiders fell to the Giants. Bengals got blown out by the Browns. Titans beat the Rams without Derrick Henry. Cardinals beat the Niners without Kyler Murray. It's the cliche. On any given Sunday. Also, that's why they play the games. And that's why we all watch, because anything can happen. And it certainly was a surprise yesterday. Uh, let's see. Poll question for the final hour, McLevin.
1: Okay, hour two is what was the best win of the weekend? Uh, and the Broncos actually won the poll. Mm-hmm. I still want to get back to that. What was the worst win? Because you haven't weighed in on the Bearcats having another close game, Cincinnati Bearcats. And also the fact that Alabama struggled against LSU. Do you think the committee are going to watch those games closely?
0: Yeah, I think that Cincinnati will be penalized. I I don't think they want Cincinnati in there. I think they're doing their best to keep Cincinnati out. But Cincinnati, you, you have no room, no margin for error. You must win. You must win convincingly, because if you know that they're going to hold this against you more than any other school. You got to win and be impressive when you win, you know, but give credit to Tulsa and Navy. Some of these teams that have played them a little tougher. Cincinnati is a good team, quality team. But if you're not going to put teams away that you're supposed to, the committee is going to look at that differently. Somebody who works, I don't want to say on the committee, but it's involved in this and said, Hey, if Cincinnati had defeated Michigan at Cincinnati, and Michigan State had, you know, picked up a, a win. You know, how, how would we view that if Cincinnati beat Michigan? Because Michigan State beats Michigan at home, and we go, oh, my God, Michigan State's top five. If Cincinnati had defeated Michigan, would we have reacted differently? And I think we probably would have. Um, but I do think the committee is going out of its way to say, you know, hey, this is, this is a good team but not a top-four team. And if, if, if Cincinnati is going to help them with that decision, it's going to be really tough to, uh, to overcome. But let's see what happens with some of these other teams. I mean, Michigan State, you're in, now you're out. Ohio State struggled against Nebraska. LSU gave Alabama everything they could handle. So Georgia seems to be the – I don't think there's a great team. I think Georgia's got a great defense. I don't think it's a great team. Alabama, I think we're still all in on the, Alabama's going to be there at the very end. Is Oklahoma going to go up? There's, there's going to be one or two teams that are going to jockey for position, but I do think that Cincinnati is going to be on the outside looking in. Yeah, Paul.
2: It's funny with college football. If a coach runs up the score, we give their team a hard time, but you're rewarded for running up the score in college football. Let's say Cincinnati was up 50-2 uh, to two against Tul- Tulsa this weekend. Keep going. Make it 70-2, because that's what the committee is asking for.
0: Well, I'm okay if you're up by 48, but if you're up by four, then there's a big difference. <laughs> if you're up by 48, I'm, I'm convinced that you were a better team. If you're up by four, then I'm not so convinced. All right, uh, what are we going to go with final hour, McLevin?
1: Yeah, why do we put that up? What was the most alarming loss? Because I forgot Ohio State was in there. Too. Alarming loss? A alarming win. I'm sorry, alarming win. Another question uh, that we threw out earlier in the show, who's the favorite in the AFC? You said it doesn't seem like they're a favorite. It is a favorite. Is there an answer? If we put up Bills, Ravens, Titans. Browns. Do you, do you put the Browns on there? Do you put the Chiefs on there still? Because their Vegas odds are still pretty okay? Yeah, yeah. But how can you say that team is a favorite in the AFC?
0: Because of Mahomes. That's it. And I'm not saying like the Titans would be the, the best team in the AFC right now. It's 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 not question. They've they've those teams that they've defeated here in the last month, they're all playoff teams from a year ago. Bills, Chiefs, Colts, Rams. Uh, that's impressive. But I think without Derrick Henry you know, that maybe we're looking at that team and saying, "Do that, they have enough offense. But it was the defense that won the game last night for him against the Rams. Yeah, Club. I don't
1: really get it with the Titans. Can you sort of explain it to me why you thought they were good coming this season? Because I don't know all the names, you know, on defense.
0: Well, I thought you were going to have the one weapon that nobody else has, and that's Derrick Henry. In the playoffs, when you face a team like that, that you're not used to facing, that style, it's hard to kind of prepare for. It's almost like when you face the military academies. You know, you you don't see it, and then you see it, and you're like, "Oh my God, what just happened?" I thought with eight that if you had Julio Jones, that that's another weapon for Tannehill, and it just makes them almost an explosive offense. And they averaged like 30 points a game the previous year. And I thought that they were going to build up the defense. The defense would be really good because it's Mike Vrabel, and I thought they would have enough offense. I didn't think the division was going to be that tough. And I thought that they could end up with 11 or 12 wins. And then you go into the playoffs, they have home field advantage. You got Derrick Henry. And I thought they, that's my dark horse to uh, go to the Super Bowl. And then they lose to the Jets the opening (laughs) week. (laughs) You know, I love when, you know, you get a message where somebody goes, hey, nice dark horse. They should keep the lights out the rest of the year. And I go, thank you. Yeah, Paul.
2: As of right now, the Titans' offense is uh, sixth in the league. They're a fourth last year, so about the same. The defense went from twenty-fourth ranked last year to fourteenth this
0: year. Yeah. And I thought that was enough. Where you don't want to face that team, that style of team in the playoffs, because then it's just one and done. And that's why I thought that they were going to be, you know, sneaky good this year. Yeah, McLevin.
1: They do have two games against the Texans coming up. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that'll lull them into a to sleep. But man, and they have Jacksonville. They're going to have a lot of wins.
0: Here is the sneaky, juicy trade rumor. This is courtesy of Shams. Shams at the Athletic. Okay. He did not
1: name the players, but the Boston media jumped and assumed this is the player. Oops, I
0: just gave it away. Ben Simmons for Jalen Brown. Um,. Why would Boston be interested in Ben Simmons? Well, that's that's what I'm thinking. I don't know if there's any connection with anybody on the coaching staff, but I'm I'm you got Ben Simmons. You already had Marcus Smart come out and say, "Hey, it'd be nice if uh, you know Tatum and Brown pass the ball a little bit more," and uh, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, Paul?
2: When I heard this report, I was like, "Well, this doesn't make sense because Jalen Brown is 25 years old, averaging 26 points." Six rebounds. He seems like a, at worst, a very good second player on your team. A very high-end second player. Jason Tatum's the star, I would guess. Or is it a shared system?
0: Yeah, but Ben Simmons is Defensive Player of the Year and a All-Star. So they're different players. Would I trade Ben Simmons for Jason Tatum? Yes. Or Jalen Brown, I think. If I'm the Sixers, yeah, I'd do that. If I'm the Celtics, I don't know. I'd have to have somebody give me a deep dive on why you wanted to do this. Yeah, McLovin.
1: So their coach, Ime Odoka, was with the Sixers there you go. Last two years ago. Okay. And he's a longtime Spurs assistant. Values defense? Is that possible?
0: Uh, sure. I guess. Yeah, see, it's Interesting that the Celtics had that one year where they had a really good run and then they brought in Kyrie and that didn't work. And yeah. then they brought in Kemba and that didn't work. Yeah. And now, still that one constant is still Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Yeah. I and mean, that's not working. Well, I, I saw where uh, Joel Embiid came out and said, hey, you know, everybody's on the same page now. But that's a page, a book that Ben Ben Simmons is not in. But, but Embiid, they're playing well. They're shooting well. They're playing well. The record's great. And, you know, you got to eventually go, let's just move on. But if you could get Jalen Brown, okay. Young, star. Uh, I don't know the role that he plays there, but, yeah. If I could get Jalen Brown for Ben Simmons right now, yeah, I'd do that. Yeah, Yeah, Paul.
2: Every time I hear about the Celtics, I still have to remind myself that Brad Stevens, at age 45, quit coaching to go up to the front office. That's very weird still. Yes, Todd? Isn't it
3: hard to believe that Stevens in the front office would sign off on something like that with the baggage that comes with Ben Simmons? And I don't know how the Boston Celtics would want to deal with that guy.
0: Well, they may look at it as you got Brown and Tatum who are kind of similar players, and then maybe you get Ben Simmons that he provides something different. He's not a guy who has to have the ball all the time. Um, I would still use him as a, a point forward. Like, I I just don't want him to be a point guard. He wants to be Magic Johnson, and he's not. Uh, Magic at least developed, you know, a a reputable set shot. You know, Ben doesn't have that. And I I just don't want him to be put in that position where he's on the perimeter and he's got to be staring at a wide open three. I, I, I want him involved inside. I want him doing other things. You know, then you help him at the line. Uh, you know, get him up to seventy percent, and then you know maybe you get that confidence back. Yeah, McLevin.
1: It kind of makes me think of Odell Beckham Jr. and like there are these guys where it seems like a tough assignment to coach them. If you are a coach, do you want to bring these guys in?
0: I don't want Odell Beckham. I know he's talented, and you know there there's a lot that goes with that star power, and people come out to see him. And I don't, I don't want, I don't want Odell Beckham. Now Russell Wilson wants him you got to keep him happy. Uh, If he goes to the Raiders, Derek Carr's got to keep him happy. If you go to the Saints, Sean Payton, not Trevor Simeon, has to keep him happy. I just don't want to bring somebody in that i got to keep happy all the time. I want somebody who is going to come in and is going to play for the, the greater good of our team, not because of him. Because he's going to want to come in, just like he did when he left the Giants, that he wanted to prove the Giants shouldn't have given up on him. And then he is going to leave Cleveland, and he wants to prove that Cleveland shouldn't have given up on him. I don't want. I don't want that. I want you. Don't don't try to prove that team wrong. Be in the moment here. I don't think he ever left the Giants mentally when he got traded. I think he was always there, and he was angry. And look, he, he forced. He's the reason why he, you know the Giants got rid of him. I mean, he turned on Eli, and he's a great player. But you know, I. Give me a lesser player with less drama. I'll take that. You know, I, I, I don't need to babysit. Yeah, Todd.
3: And then Ben Simmons, you look at Philly, he'll get killed in Boston, too. You would go to another market of fans that have very, very little patience with someone that may not be all in and is selfish and is all about them. And he needs to be at a team probably in a smaller market or something.
0: Yeah, but every fan base cares about winning. But when I think
3: of like cities like Philly and Boston, New York, they'll eat him up if he doesn't instantly show that he's all in on and not selfish like he's been in Philly.
0: Yeah, but I, I don't know if – I mean, Ben needs a, a break. But I don't want to see him play in meaningful games because of his mental issues or where he is, his headspace because he can't handle it right now. That's why if you could trade him, trade him to a team that's not going to come back and haunt you. Because the Celtics are going to be playing Philadelphia all the time, he's going to have to go back to Philadelphia. How do you think that's going to go? Uh, if I'm Philly, and I can get Jalen Brown, absolutely, I'd sign up right now. But I, I, once again, I trust Chams that uh, you know the information here. But um, unless Boston thought we can't have two guys who play similarly, in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And if you watch those, I mean, those guys are gunners. And plain and simple, they have no interest in passing the ball. They just That's why you'll get guys who are averaging 24, 25 a game, and you're going, really? In today's NBA, if you're not averaging at least 20, you're not any good. There are a lot of guys who are scoring a lot of points right now in the NBA. But, man, there are some gunners. Yeah, Paul.
2: I was just looking at the, the stats. It's early in the NBA season. Chicago, The Chicago Bulls have two guys averaging over tw- 26 points a game, DeRozan and Levine.
0: I mean, DeMar DeRozan's a nice player. He's averaging 26. If you look in history, you know, with guys who are averaging 26, 27, I mean, they're usually great scorers. DeMar DeRozan is just a nice player, and he doesn't shoot threes. Yeah, Paul? There's only two guys in the top
2: ten of scoring who don't shoot threes, like almost, almost none. Jimmy Butler, Miami, he's averaging 25 points a game. He only takes a three and a half per game. Yeah. DeRozan's taking two threes a game, which in this NBA is like basically like nothing.
0: All right, let's take a break. We'll talk some football. We'll talk to Carson Palmer. He'll join us coming up next. More phone calls as well. Back after this Dan Patrick show. When I get finished golfing or lifting weights or running around... My body doesn't recover the way it used to. Today, it's all about sore muscles and it's post-workout discomfort popping up in new spots all the time. So that's why I'm thankful of Level Select CBD, the sports creams and roll-ons, because Carson Palmer uses it, Ricky Fowler, Steve Garvey. If it's good enough for them, it's good enough for me. Level Select CBD is formulated with doctors. High concentration of CBD that allows you to feel it work immediately, and it's made with 0% THC. The uh, Level Select Roll-On, can't go wrong with that. You can put it in your golf bag right before you go work out, and you apply it directly to source spots. Let that proprietary blend of CBD go to work. And LevelSelectCBD.com has a, a great rate going on right now. Uh, you can use the promo code DP30. That will give you $30 off your entire order today. $30 off LevelSelectCBD.com. Promo code DP30. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, and South Dakota. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. This award-nominated program brought to you by the CBD trusted by professional athletes. Including myself, Level Select CBD provides targeted relief, helps treat everyday discomfort when you need it the most. Go to levelselectcbd.com, use promo code DP thirty. That will give you thirty dollars off your entire order. Thirty dollars off, promo code DP thirty. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, and South Dakota. Case you were wondering, maybe you weren't. State Farm will stand by Aaron Rodgers. They said that Aaron Rodgers has been a great ambassador for our company for much of the past decade. We uh, don't support some of the statements that he made, but we respect his right to have his own personal point of view. So in case you were looking for those State Farm commercials yesterday, uh, did you guys see any yesterday? Yeah, Paul?
2: I didn't see any with State Farm specifically, but uh, this marketing group said that only 1.5% of the State Farm ads had Rogers in them on Sunday nationally, Hmm. down from 25% the couple previous Sundays. So maybe they downplayed his role.
0: Carson Palmer, former NFL quarterback, of course, won the Heisman Trophy at USC and uh, making his weekly appearance brought to you by Level Select CBD. Carson, good morning. What should we have been looking for with Jordan Love yesterday?
4: Well, the the Packers organization has a massive decision to make, as we all know, at the end of the season. And that was the worst case scenario. I mean, all Jordan had to do was go out and complete 20 of 32 passes for 250 yards and two touchdowns. Unfortunately, they were inept on offense. They couldn't hardly move, move the ball. He looked like a rookie in his first opportunity to get on the field. He had no rhythm, no timing. There was a couple balls that he threw to Devontae Adams that Devontae was the most confused guy on the field. It, just, it, it was worst-case scenario. All he had to do, he didn't have to go out you know, and light it up like Aaron did in his first chance to play after Brett Favre left. You know, Aaron went out and and put on a show. He didn't have to do that. He just needed to go out and move the ball and look somewhat successful. Unfortunately, it went the opposite direction. They couldn't move the ball. The Packers have a massive decision to make at the end of this year. And now if Aaron comes back, you know, right before next week's game against Seattle, it was so bad on offense you can't if if Aaron is available to play he has to play to keep them in the playoff hunt for that number 1 seed in the NFC if they have to go with Jordan again it looks like they may not may not be able to beat a Russell Wilson less Seahawks team
0: but also i was wondering that you knew they were going to blitz if you're Matt LaFleur and why not run the ball more or could could the play calling have been smarter for Jordan Love
4: You know, it's also on LaFleur. LaFleur was there when they made that first round pick for Jordan Love. So it was only to Coach LaFleur's benefit for Jordan to go out and have success and move the ball. So, um, you know, I would have assumed that Matt LaFleur would have put Jordan in the most uh, advantageous situation possible. Give him as much success as he can. Get him as comfortable he, as he can by running the football, by throwing more screens, getting him some easier passes. And when they did run the football, Aaron Jones looked pretty good. He had a couple nice big runs, but they just didn't stick to it. They kind of felt like Kansas City was going to hang 30 or 40 points on him, so they needed to throw the ball. It was a It was an odd game plan and really an unsuccessful day for the the Packers organization.
0: Yeah, but I think the bigger picture, and nobody's going to focus on this, Carson, is Kansas City. Kansas City didn't look good against Green Bay at home without Aaron Rodgers.
4: Kansas City hasn't looked good in a month. Um, They're a team that we have given them a long leash. We keep saying they're going to be fine, they're going to be fine, they're going to be fine, but now we're going on a month long of saying they're going to be fine, they're going to figure it out. They have not figured it out. Um, There were opportunities to run the ball where they just needed to be a little more uh, consistent with the running game. And and they had some success early, but they just keep wanting that big splash play, that big long play to to Tyreek Hill, that big long completion to, to Travis Kelsey. They're not getting him. Kelsey... You know, you don't know what's going on. There were some dropped passes. He was jumping off sides left and right. He doesn't look like an established veteran. He doesn't look comfortable. Mahomes doesn't look comfortable. I think there's definitely reason to be concerned in Kansas City.
0: But we're starting to see defenses almost look at a blueprint against Kansas City. And and it felt like Denver's defense did the same thing against Dallas. We're going to play deep. We're going to make you do everything underneath here. And we're going to try to put pressure on you and it was very successful for denver yesterday in one of the bigger surprises how do you explain what happened to dallas
4: yeah i think those two those two fourth down calls on fourth and one were uh you know were the first one mccarthy thinks all right i'm gonna give it to ezekiel ezekiel elliott and he'll get one yard he's always done it throughout his career sure enough he gets stuffed denver's going the other way with the ball and then McCarthy said, all right, I'm going to put it in my other best player on my team's hands and Dak's hands on fourth and one or fourth and two. And he throws an errant pass. I mean, it was kind of one of those games where as a head coach, you're giving it to your two best players, putting it in their hands to find a way to get a first down. They weren't able to do it. Shockingly, nobody expected after that Vaughn Miller trade and kind of the the down couple weeks that Denver's had over this last month. Nobody thought that was going to happen and Denver just flat out outplayed Dallas from play 1 to the to the last play of the game.
0: How do you explain the Bills going to Jacksonville?
4: Oh, just turnovers. I mean, it was it, it was, you know, it was tough to watch. There were some nice plays that that Buffalo was making, but Josh was just getting careless with the ball. He had a couple fumbles, he had a couple interceptions. Um and, and when you've got a desperate, hungry team like they are in Jacksonville, they're just searching for anything. They'll, they'll take whatever they can get. If you continuously give them the ball and, and turn the ball over, it just goes to show you, you've got to protect the football because some of the best teams in the league can lose to one of the worst teams in the league if they don't protect the football, and they didn't do
0: that. But what's it like when you go out on the field against an inferior opponent and you have to keep telling yourself that we can't take them lightly but players still, teams still, to do take the opposition lately.
4: Yeah, Buffalo got off the bus yesterday, walking into the stadium, knowing they had more talent on their bus than the other team did, and they played like it. They looked flat. Um, they had some silly mistakes. Like I said, Josh was careless with the ball. Um, and Jacksonville, their, their key marquee players, the Jacksonville's Josh Allen made plays. He had a he had a sack. He had a fumble recovery. He had an interception. Um, you saw Trevor Lawrence making some really nice plays. The five-star players in Jacksonville P- Jacksonville played like five-star players. The elite players in, in Buffalo did not play like the five-star elite players that, that, that they were. I think midway through the fourth quarter, Stephon Diggs had two or three catches. I mean, it was just one of those days for, for Buffalo. They need to forget about that. They need to wash their hands of it. They need to learn from it and
0: move on. Talking to Carson Palmer, former NFL vet, joining us courtesy of Level Select C B D. Baker Mayfield spread the wealth. He had 14 completions to eight different receivers. They ran the football, played some pretty good defense here. Um, are they better without Odell Beckham with what they want to do offensively?
4: I, I think they are. I mean, when you have a when you are a young quarterback like Baker is and you have this almost an icon in in Odell Beckham that's a weight on your shoulders that you have to carry that is something in the back of your mind as you're calling the the play in the huddle and you're you're scanning the huddle and you see Odell's eyes <laughs> you naturally know okay I got to find a way to get him the ball I got to I got to keep him happy I got to keep feeding him even if the coverage doesn't dictate the ball going to him I need to get the ball in his hands but did and you go you just through this that.
0: at Cincinnati when you first got there of keeping somebody happy all the time. I mean, I had Terrell
4: Owens in one side of the huddle and Chad Ochocinco in the other, and I knew <laughs> that both of those guys, I mean, the receiver position, you can feel, um, you can feel non-existent if the ball isn't in your hands. If you're just consistently running routes and turning and watching and seeing the ball go to other players, you can feel like you're never part of the game. And and certain players like Odell, like Chad Ochocinco, I knew from a mindset Uh, position, I knew I needed to get the ball in Chad's hands. I knew T.O. needed to touch the ball at some point in the first half, probably the first quarter. That's the same thing with Odell. Odell needs, he's a rhythm player. Once he gets in a rhythm, he gets harder and harder to cover, but he needs the ball in his hands to get in that rhythm. And you just watching that game yesterday, you just felt like this massive elephant was off of the back of Baker Mayfield. I mean, he had so much mental energy Over the last two years, trying to think of ways to keep him involved in the game plan and get the ball in his hands. And you just saw him them let it loose. I mean, they had big play after big play. I mean, Peoples had the 70 yard uh, reception. Chubb had a 60 or 70 yard run. You just kind of felt watching that game that the best team on the field without question was Cleveland Browns. And I think going into that game, I was thinking the best team on that field that day was the Cincinnati Bengals. And they proved me wrong.
0: I got to put you in the Hall of Fame for just putting up with Chad Ocho Cinco and Terrell Owens in the same huddle. Like who was tougher?
4: Uh I I loved it. I mean it was constant comedy in practice and there was some highs and lows and ups and downs but but that's the game. But hearing those two guys tell you while you're calling a play that I'm open, I'm open. I'm like, "Dude, we're calling a running play. Relax. <laughs>
0: we'll get you on the next one."
4: But yeah, I mean th- those those two uh, those two mouths and those two trash talkers were a lot of fun to play with.
0: But but how did you did it get to the point where it it was disruptive to the team that they wanted no, the ball all never. the time?
4: No, be, be, and and the reason it wasn't was because those two guys practiced as hard as any other player on the field every single day. I mean, T.O. was a workhorse. Chad would go from the number one offense practicing against the number two defense to when the number two offense would go in, he would sub himself in to get extra reps against the ones. <laughs> so, I mean, when you have when you have some guys that have those kind of egos and those kind of personalities, but they show up to work and they work their butt off every day in practice, you let all that other stuff go to the side because they set the standard in practice. When, when your best players and your biggest egos work harder than everybody else, that's a good situation to be in.
0: Would you want Odell Beckham?
4: I would because he's the kind of guy you can throw a slant to and he can go 65 yards. Now, he needs the right pieces around him. He needs the um, the right play caller, the right head coach, the right receiver coach. I mean, there's a lot that goes into controlling and, and um, being able to be successful with that type of player on
0: your team. But from, a, from an ability
4: standpoint, there aren't many guys that can run the routes that he can and make the plays that he can. So I would take him.
0: We had Ben Roethlisberger on last week. He sounded relaxed, like this is, everything's good. Doesn't know how much longer he's going to play, but feels like he's in a good spot there. Um, Do you think, like, I don't know if Ben is still, he had a good year last year, which people forget about, but is he still a, a formidable weapon in the NFL?
4: Well, I, he's definitely lost some some velocity on the ball. He's lost some pocket movement. He's lost some agility and ability to extend plays, which, which is what his forte was. I mean, that was what he was so great at. Um, but he's an absolute he, – he's a winner. I mean, he finds ways to win games. And he may not have it velocity-wise. He may not have the deep ball that he used to have. But he's still good enough to win games for you. And they still are good enough on defense that that defense can keep their offense in games where it's close enough, where you just give Ben one drive. He needs a field goal. He's down by two. He needs a touchdown. He's down by five. He's good enough to win a game at the end of the game, which at the end of the day, that's all you need in this league. Um, But there's no doubt. I mean, it's it's the, the clock is ticking. His body is definitely looking like it's 38 years old. But he's still ben, ben Roethlisberger. He's got Super Bowl championships. He's been in, in big games. He's been in that moment. He's trying to win one last one on his way out the door. Uh, I just don't know if they're good enough offensively, If the, if the weapons he has around him are good enough to get them one more Super Bowl win.
0: I don't know who to trust in the AFC right now because I think the Titans have proven to be the best team considering who they've defeated. I just don't know if people would buy into them as the Super Bowl favorite right now. So, who would you say that's the team that the team to beat in the AFC? Yeah,
4: not not without not without um I'm blanking on his name. Derek uh, Henry. the running back. No, not without Derrick Henry. I mean that that game was an anomaly last night. I mean there were some weird things that happened special teams wise before you knew it they were up 21-3. Um, you know, Adrian Peterson is a great option to have right now but he is not derrick henry that team is built upon derrick henry's shoulders, so um they probably aren't the best I, I still think even though that game was really really ugly in uh in jacksonville yesterday hmm. i still think buffalo is probably the favorite they've got the best defense but at the end of the day that was a field goal kicking fest they really they, they defense did not lose the game offensively they couldn't hold on to the ball but you can you can see Josh Allen. He he is up and down. He when he is hot, it is red hot. When he's cold, he was he was stone cold yesterday. But they were still in the game. They still were just a field goal away. So um, the AFC is is funky, no doubt. But I still think Buffalo is the team to beat in the AFC.
0: Great to talk to you as always, Carson. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Thanks, Dan. That's Carson Palmer weekly appearance during the NFL season. Brought to you by our friends at Level Select CBD. Looking for next level relief, levelselectcbd.com. I don't know who to trust in the AFC. I like the Titans because the Titans have done what you want them to do. They've defeated four playoff teams from a year ago in consecutive weeks. But I think without Derrick Henry, and I don't know what to expect out of those wide receivers. The defense is pretty good. But I, I just don't know if there's a great team in the AFC right now. Yeah, Paul.
2: I was talking about the, uh, the uh, not the Bengals, but like uh, Baltimore. Justin Tucker is so different. If they're in a game, if it's a three-point game, either way, if they're tied, it feels like they only have to get to the 40-yard line. I think it's fascinating. I've never felt like this about a kicker before where I thought that he is a weapon where it's a sure thing, and all you have to do is get 30 yards on that last drive.
0: Yeah, but you got to be within three points. Yeah,
2: it seems like they are every week. Yeah. No matter who they play, it seems like they're within three points every week. I just don't think they're formidable.
0: I mean, Lamar Jackson is fun, entertaining. Justin Tucker is a great weapon. Harbaugh's won a Super Bowl. Just, I don't know if anybody is great in the AFC. There's some good teams or the ability to be good, but, you know, Buffalo, we keep, I don't know. We, want, we wanted to christen them the start of the season. Like, this is... Buffalo's year. Okay. I just thought that they, the reason why I didn't pick Buffalo, I just felt like they were expecting Josh Allen to do more than he was capable of doing. And as it is right now, they don't have a running attack. But, you know, defense played well. It's crazy how close most of the Ravens' games are, too. Even the ones that they won, they won a couple big, but most of them are within one score. Yeah. And that's what you want. You want a team that doesn't turn the ball over. They can produce a game-winning drive. But, man, that's, it's dangerous to live and die by that. And that's why the Chiefs don't have a good defense. Baltimore, at least, has the ability to play good defense. You know, Kansas City keeps you in the game. That's because their defense isn't very good. Yeah, McClellan. On
1: the Josh Allen topic, I, I think Josh Allen's worst enemy is Josh Allen. Yeah. But Jacksonville's Josh Allen. See what I'm doing there? <laughs> I was trying to make a joke, and you did not. You did not, yeah.
0: I almost made it through the entire show without that corny line. I figured it's been
1: two hours and 40 minutes. I, we couldn't let you get that.
0: Josh Allen, sack Josh Allen. It's never happened in I NFL history. I got a fumble
1: history. off Josh Allen. Mm, yeah. yeah an bump. interception.
0: It's too bad they didn't
2: have a side bet. Jo- the two Josh Allens, whoever loses the game has to change his name to
0: Joshua. Mm. Or initials. At least a for a week.
2: Yeah. yeah. Like Todd went to Todd with one D. No. <laughs>
0: I might give you your D back after that, that Denver win. D for Denver. That would make sense. Yeah. I don't even remember why I took away one of your Ds. Do you remember? I'm sure I gave you a whole host of reasons for it. Do you remember, Seton? I think it might have been because, because Todd plays no D. Was it a, uh, oh, oh. a AUAA reference, <laughs> perhaps? That's no? what I
3: scared Mario into taking that shot missed around yeah, the world.
0: I wouldn't expect Todd to play any D. Yeah. I don't know if that's why I oh, took away one that, of your D's. Maybe that wasn't it. Yeah, McClellan. I think
1: it was a booking issue. I think there was somebody who was supposed to come on, and Todd's like, this time it's going to work out, and it oh. didn't work out. Mm. It's possible. That has happened.
0: Well, maybe maybe somebody, a backroom guy, has it. The audience. Yeah, Club. What's the Broncos' playoff bet? Because it's interesting again.
3: I was going to cook a meal if the Broncos don't make the playoffs. And Pauly has to be like nice to me for a week or something. If the
2: Broncos don't make uh, the a week, food. a week, I think it was one show. Was it, one show? Yeah, it was one show. Yeah, I would I mean, never have. That's, read not,
0: yeah, that's not possible for Pauly to do a week. All right. Let me take a break. Last call for phone calls. What we learn, what's in store tomorrow after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, nine until noon, Eastern six to nine Pacific on Fox sports radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio radio app at fsr or stream us live on the peacock app i'm george reister host of the reister or wrong podcast this is the intersection where sports business society and pop culture meet the truth Absolute fire on Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays. Facts only. Make sure you check your feelings at the door because no BS is allowed. We keep it 100. This is where real conversations happen. Listen to The Right or Wrong podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Last call for phone calls, what we learn, what's in store tomorrow. McLovin just sent me the favorites for NFL awards. Who decides who's on the list? of? This is uh, Vegas favorites from FanDuel Sportsbook. Okay.
1: Or some some sportsbook.
0: All right. MVP is Josh Allen? Yeah, I guess he's number one still. No, Tom Brady is the MVP so far. Uh, Rookie of the year, Jamar Chase. That one makes perfect sense. Yeah. Micah Parsons, defensive rookie of the year. Offensive player of the year. Cooper Cup, Defensive Player of the Year, Miles Garrett, Comeback Player of the Year, Dak Prescott, Coach of the Year, Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, I'm okay with most of those. But Josh Allen would not be the MVP. I'd have, have Tom Fa- Brady.
1: FanDuel has Josh Allen a little bit ahead of Brady right now. Yeah. That's weird.
0: Yeah, I'd have Tom Brady as the MVP right now, first half of the season. Final results of the poll question. Oh, wait a minute. Today, the NCAA set the stage for a dramatic restructuring of college sports that will give each of its three divisions the power to govern itself. Oh, man. Oh, man. Let's go. Um, let's see. So, Division One. So you have major college football, 351 schools eligible for the men's basketball tournament. The autonomy to reshape everything from how revenue is shared to how rules are made and enforced. Let's see if there's anything else in here. Uh, The question is going to be asked, what is the new role and responsibilities of the Board of Governance? Uh, that's still three divisions, but their priorities and what they would be doing would be just those very, very high-level issues of association as opposed to some of the things that they've been getting involved with now. doesn't mean anything to me. Um, yeah, Paul. You could summarize this as saying the NCAA is uh,
2: yielding a lot of their powers and uh, control over the teams and conferences and able to stay on the gravy train. The NCAA will still be a factor in scheduling and enforcement and business deals, but less so. But they're still in the mix, which means they still get paid.
0: Yeah, I think it's 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 inevitable that you have these power schools that kind of uh, secede from the NCAA. Been saying that for years. Now you're going to self-govern these, you know, conference commissioners or you know maybe going to hand over the reins to the SEC. But I, I think it's it's it seems to be inevitable that that's going to happen. All right. Uh, this day in sports history, Paulie. 1942. Parker Hall, the quarterback of the Cleveland Rams, threw seven
2: interceptions in the game against the Green Bay Packers. Now, that's not that note, you know, not that interesting. But why were they the Cleveland Rams? Is that doesn't seem like an animal that's indigenous to the Cleveland area. Hmm. Not a lot of mountains and so forth. Mm-hmm. The Cleveland Rams were started by a, a businessman named Homer Marshman, and they were named after the Fordham Rams, which was a powerhouse college team at the time. And they thought they wanted a the nice short name to appear in newspaper headlines. So that's hmm. why they were the Rams. Elgin Baylor, Dan, in 1959 scored 64 points, which was the NBA Association record at the time. 1963, the Maple Leaf Gardens became the first NHL arena to to install separate penalty box doors for each team. They used to have penalty boxes you'd enter through the same entrance, and players used to get in (laughs) fights all the time. I say we bring that one back. And then in 1970, Tom Dempsey set an NFL record at the time when he kicked a 63-yard field goal against the Detroit Lions. That stood until 1998
0: when Jason Elam of Denver did it. Yeah, nineteen to seventeen was the final. That yep. score, Patrick, in Arizona. Hey, Patrick, what's on your mind today?
5: Hey, good morning, guys. How are you? Good,
0: good, good, good,
5: good. So I got a, I got a better, bestest and kind of worst of the weekend. Um, I'll start with the worst. The worst was being in Arizona. We have sports gambling now, and I went zero and ten this weekend. So it was quite ugly. Um, yeah, it took a lot of bad beats. Wow. What. One of uh, so obviously a better is the Cardinals, who are literally one wrong turn by AJ Green away from being nine and zero, and still nobody's really talking about it. They've had no bad losses. They're doing what they're supposed to do, beating who they're supposed to beat. They were five and a half point dogs and went up there and showed the Niners
0: how to play football. But I but I think it's just history, Patrick. That that's all. I mean that's it it might not be fair, but it's just it's the history of the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, they did have the magical season when they went to the Super Bowl, losing to the Steelers. Uh, Pittsburgh Dave is back. Dave in Oklahoma. Hi, Dave. Hi. Yeah, I mean, yeah, see, it was just a little quick on the trigger. I know what it's like. I've run the board before, but I definitely got to keep the bad, uh, worst thing going. Oh, yeah, oh uh, no. Dave's oh, yeah. got a bad, Dad, Dave's got a bad connection. Oh, no. Twice in one day I hung up on him. Seton got to hang up. How on about him. that? Yeah. Sorry, Dave. Uh, Dee Dee in Florida. Good morning, Dee Dee.
4: How
0: you doing?
5: I had a, uh, best and the worst, and, uh, maybe even a, a comment, but uh, my best was Terry Bradshaw. Um, telling Aaron Rodgers, you lie to everyone. I thought that was really strong. And the worst was the Chiefs. Um, they made that Packers defense look like the 85 Bears defense. <laughs> and my comment, I really just wanted to show some appreciation. I've been listening to your show a really long time, back when you were on the Every Sport Possible Network. I even remember Blackjack McDowell, wrote a theme song for your show at yeah. some point yeah and then you guys moved to the attic and you were trying to win the quarter hour and then you moved to the bar i mean it's been really great you occupy game day you i mean we've heard suck it back rows, suck it front rows, suck it chat row but you went with meet friday and went suck it vatican i mean geez so it's been really great having you on and having to being able to follow you along all these years you even um, spawned the Rich Eisen show, and I hear you know in the future the Jimmy Jimerson show. So this is really great.
0: Well, thank you, Dee Dee, for being a uh, historian of the show. And I just to be you know official, I I didn't say suck at Vatican. You no, know, with Meat Friday during Lent. <laughs> <laughs> I did hear from uh, some friends of mine. Catholics who said, uh, sources close to the Vatican, yeah, no, not to the Vatican <laughs> oh, to me. And wow. they're like, You do Meet Friday during Lent. And uh, I said, Yeah, I know. Sponsor Todd, what'd you learn today? 50 years ago today, your Led
3: Zeppelins released Led Zeppelin 4. The album would stare away to heaven on
0: it, and it's not the Zeppelins,
3: the Led Zeppelins, the Zeppelins, yeah.
0: Zeppelin. The compact GLA proves it's not the size of the SUV in the fight. Size of the fight in the SUV. Learn more about the nimble and ready for anything Mercedes-Benz vehicle at MBUSA.com. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Thanks for the phone calls, emails, tweets, the all-around support. The seton Polly Fritz-Denby, years truly. Dan Patrick Show.